Ephesians 4.15. And for those that are in the faith that read their Bible regularly, I invite you to go back and read Ephesians chapter 4 in its entirety. Get the entire thought here. But there's one verse we want to hinge the entire thought for tonight. It's in verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him all things, which is the head, even Christ. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, for just a few minutes, we want to preach on this thought. Lies that are being told to my friends. Lies that are being told to my friends. I know we're here tonight. We're in a tent. I love this setting. Uh, except for 12 years of my life on the mission field in Costa Rica, I spent every summer and usually every fall underneath an old gospel tent, and I'm thankful that this tent's up tonight on this hill. A lot of heritage in western North Carolina under tents. But church, here's something I know. We could put this tent up and leave it up for five or six years and come every day and spend all of our time underneath it, but all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes and touches the effort. I'm not interested tonight in Christian entertainment. This is not a StubHub event. We did not scan your ticket and give you access to the tent tonight. We are all God's children who are hungry and who are desperate for something from the Word of God. And here's what I know. There is a battlefield raging. There is a war raging for truth. We live in a generation that most Americans who have been alive more than 10 or 15 years as adults, you can say without any hesitation that your country is changing beyond any recognition, anything you've ever seen, anything you ever expected. I say it to this, this to my church all the time, uh, the season of Mayberry is gone. That season is over. We voted it away. We prayed it away. We gave up our rights to have that nation that could have been, and we've turned our back on the truth. So what I want you to see tonight, obviously, is a meeting, a gathering of people. But what I want you to see more than anything, as you pan, I want everybody to look around at the people that are here. There's, there's all types in here. There's young, there's old, there's white, there's black, there's Asian, there's Hispanic. There's those that have a little money and there's those that have very little money. There's some that live in big houses and there's some that live month to month in an apartment. But here's the good news. This, this group, this gathering tonight have access, all of us have access to the same power and the same truth and the same word of God. The ground tonight is equal. It's level playing field. And anyone can accept this truth, hear this truth, but understand more than anything, this is a battlefield tonight for truth. Speaking the truth in love. And no matter who you are here tonight, I want to consider you my friend. I want us to be acquainted enough to, to, for me to be able to, in love, by the power of God, to speak the truth to you about some lies that are being told to you and to your families. If you're a mother or you're a father, or if you're a grandmama or a granddaddy underneath the tent tonight, say amen. amen. Say it again loud like you love your children and your grandchildren. Amen. Your children and your grandchildren are being lied to 
in a, in a way that they've never been lied to before. And now we're, we're legislating protection so that the lies that are being told to your children, to your grandchildren, have federal rights protecting the lies being told to them. There are things being taught in public school that 15 years ago would have got you arrested, would have got you arrested for saying publicly in front of children. What I'm trying to tell you urgently tonight, let's get straight to the point, is that there is a battlefield for the truth. There are three main lies that I see that the church is fighting against, that we are warring against, and that really is warring against the truth of God's Word. It's not about us being Baptists tonight. I love being Baptist. I'll be Baptist until the day I die. It's not even about our King James Bible. Hold on now. It's not even about our King James Bible. I will preach out of the King James Bible until they put me in the ground. It's more than the King James Bible. It's more than being Baptist. It's about the power and the might and the strength of the Word of God to change any life, anywhere, anytime. We're talking about the nitty-gritty. This is not powdered sugar preaching tonight. We're not here to, to have a pep rally. We're here to beg God, to seek God, and for all of us to say, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. There are, there are three lies that we must understand that are being uh, really generationally at a, at a rate we cannot even describe that are being told to our friends, our family, and to our country. Number one, that God is irrelevant. The first lie that's being told in our country, in our culture, in our families, on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Snapchat, in conversations, in college dorms, and on high school campuses, all the way down to the elementary campuses, the lie is being told, it is being sold, that God is irrelevant that we have as a people moved on past the need or the necessity for God. We've got more money than we've ever had. We've got more knowledge than we've ever had. We've got more technology than we've ever had. And so we have uh, really, God was a good crutch for America after World War II. God was a good crutch for the weak people who have an emotionally hard time palating what life can be and the, the emotional traumas of life. And we're teaching this generation and we're accepting in this generation that God is no longer relevant. We're even telling people on a mass scale in ways that we've never done before that there is no God. Genesis 1-1 is the absolute truth. Remember now, the Word of God is the inerrant infallible, holy inspired word of God and it is truth cover to cover. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God has always been. God has always existed. There's never been one millisecond of time where God did not exist. It's hard for us to put our minds around that, that God wasn't created. God wasn't born. God wasn't thought up. God has always been. He always will be. And He is great in power, mighty in ability, and His far-reaching arm is still relevant for today and can still reach into your situation, into your family, into your church, into your community, and change your 
life. God is still relevant. Uh, not only is God in existence tonight, but the Bible teaches us there is but one God. There's but one God. Jesus even said, He made the claim in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, Muhammad cannot substitute the God of the Bible. Buddha cannot substitute the God of the Bible. Yoga and Far East and Near East religion cannot substitute the God of the Bible. Turning over a new leaf and talking to a counselor cannot substitute the power and the authority of God in the life of a human being. God is one God, and it is through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we have access to God. Not only is there one God, but God is aware tonight. Think of this. You say, well, I refuse to participate in the idea that God is who God is and that your Bible is real. The truth is, God is aware that you exist tonight. He knows everything about you, and He is aware of your unique spiritual condition. God says in Proverbs 15, 3 about God, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. God sees everything about anybody and everybody at the same time. And, and it goes on to say, beholding the evil and the good. God has a full grasp of where we are as individuals tonight, which I submit to you makes him the most relevant person the most relevant power and the most relevant authority that has ever existed. There is not one supercomputer that man has even thought of or has an algorithm to build that would allow this computer to know everything about everybody all at once and how they feel and what they think and how their heart hurts and what baggage they bring with them. There is nothing within the, capa the capacity of mankind to understand that. But the Bible says that God does. I submit to you that is his calling card for relevance, that he is God and he knows everything. Yeah. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and great power. His understanding is infinite. God isn't irrelevant. God is not dead. God is not just for white people. God is not just for black people. God is not just for Republicans. God is not just for Democrats. God is not just for Americans. God is not just for people who live on this side of the hemisphere. God is for every man who's ever been born. It is our desperate need. I could take hours and continue to preach the fall on why God is still relevant in this day and this hour. And, and, and the truth is, it's a wonderful thing to say. It's a wonderful thing to embrace. But if you don't believe that in your heart tonight, then in love, let me submit this to you to file away in your heart and your mind. You're going to have to answer to the fact that the truth has been revealed to your heart. These verses, God's authority and His Word prove that God being irrelevant is absolutely a lie. God is relevant, and He's relevant even to you personally. Second lie that's being told, and it's one that plagues our county, it plagues our families, it plagues our churches, it plagues our young people. The second lie that's being peddled is that life doesn't matter. That life doesn't matter. Understand this, life is precious to God. 
Life was his idea in the first place. Psalm 127.3 says, Lo, the children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. If you have any hard time trying to figure out whether someone who's pregnant, whether God is interested in what we like to call a clump of cells or a fetus. No, let me help you with something. That is a life. It's a life. And God says that it's precious. Why would the devil so focus his attention? Why would the enemy so focus his attention on life being cheap, on life being nothing but something you can throw away? It's because life is precious to God. And the enemy in his capacity fights against the sanctity of life because of how much God loves life. God loved you enough to let you exist. God loved you enough to let you be born. God loved you enough to let you have air in your lungs and blood in your veins. God loved you enough to let you eat some food today. God let you breathe His air free of charge today. God is good to people, and He's good just in by giving them life. Life is precious to Him. Life was created by Him. Genesis 2-7 is our proof for that. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed it into His nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. If you ever wonder about how valuable somebody is, think of this. God chose a place and a time to create man, and he did it for his glory. We're here with a purpose tonight, and that's to bring glory to God. But more important than that is the understanding that life has eternal consequence. Life has eternal consequence. The Bible teaches us clearly that the most important decision, the most important thing about life here on earth is not how much money you make. It's not about how you live. It's not about what side of town you live on or how much is in your bank account or your 401k. All that matters in this life is what you do with the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and the truth that every person under the tent tonight will spend an eternity somewhere. Every person under this tent tonight who's alive and breathing air and has a pulse, say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. You will spend an eternity somewhere. You say, well, I refuse to participate in the idea of God and eternity. It doesn't matter. According to the Word of God, you will spend an eternity somewhere. And the truth is, the truth is that the Bible teaches that all have sinned. All of us. Red and yellow, black and white, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. God is so holy, God is so righteous, God is so pure, God is so mighty in His capacity that He cannot look upon or deal with unforgiven sin. You see, I was born broken. I didn't have to wait till I was 18 to become a sinner. By the time I was three years old, I had an attitude and I scream and I didn't listen and I disobey. I was born with that problem. I was broken at birth. And all of us have been born with that nature. And everyone here has something in common. Not only are we going to spend eternity somewhere, but there's only two designations of people in this room. I know there's all kinds of socioeconomic subdivisions that we could divide, our, we could divide ourselves until we're in one group alone by ourselves. But the truth is, there's one dividing line in this tent tonight. 
There's one dividing line for all those that are watching online tonight. Maybe you're watching in the archive seven years later. And the truth is, if God has tarried and you're still alive, then there still is a dividing line and it splits perfectly between people who have been redeemed by the blood and those who have not been redeemed by the blood. It has nothing to do with your skin color, your money, or your politics. It has everything to do with whether you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. There are either saved people, and you know it, and God knows it, or there are lost people in this room, and you know it, and God knows it. Everyone in this room will spend an eternity somewhere, and everyone in this room under this tent is either saved or lost. Life matters because this is the time and the place where eternity is settled. Listen, right now, this vapor, the Bible calls this a vapor. It's over. The consequence of that vapor is eternity. You see, the devil likes to make you think you've got 150 years to spend doing what you want to do, the way you want to do, the, 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 the manner you want to do it in, and that when you get old, and you got gray hair, and you're married and all your kids are older, then you can get things right. I I, I hate this designation. With the big man upstairs, as one young man told me in my office this past week, I'm going to wait till I'm a little older, Pastor, and then I'll get things right with me and the big man upstairs. He's not the big man upstairs. He's Almighty God. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. And He loves you, and He wants you to respond to the truth And he wants you to accept the free gift of salvation. Every single person in this world will spend an eternity somewhere. James 4.14 gives us this to, to ponder. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Somebody tell me what the S&P 500 will close at tomorrow night. Somebody tell me what the opening bell numbers for the NASDAQ will be on Monday morning. Somebody tell me if the Atlanta Braves are going to win the World Series. I think they will. (laughs) Somebody tell me how many points, this good-looking group of football players here, how many points y'all going to be Erskine by tomorrow? A whole lot, he said. (laughs) A whole lot, he said. Praise God. Go Mars Hill. The lion is roaring. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. I know you boys are good. I know you practice. I know your coach has, has, has drilled you. You've had conversations. You've had team meetings. You're eating clean. You're working out. You're drinking your water. You're doing all the things you know to do. You're going to give all the effort you got. Mom, Dad, you're going to do your very best this year to raise your children in the admonition of the Lord and training them up. But the truth is, you cannot guarantee what tomorrow holds. I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised to have Sunday behind the pulpit at my church. That's why I have to know that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if I were to die tonight, if this was my last 24-hour assignment on earth, that if God called my name, I'd be ready for eternity. It's a lie that's being told to our children that life doesn't matter. Sleep with who you want to. If you get pregnant, you can abort it. It doesn't matter. It's just a thing. It's just one, it's just one process you've got to go through. It's just living life in 2023. Live, live big, hang easy, do what you want to do. And life, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. We have made life so cheap. 
When we will, when we will walk the streets of Western North Carolina in Asheville, and we will walk up to someone and execute them gang style for five dollars in a dime bag, we've lost the idea that life is precious. We've lost our mind. And the, the problem is the church is closing its mouth. We're playing like we don't see nothing. And we're like, well, Lord, you come and get us. We're ready for you. No, no, no. I want a whole lot of people. there. I said a whole lot of people in this county to hear the good news that Jesus loves them, that he cares for them, and that there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is precious to him. Life is so important, not because a Baptist preacher says it, but because God says it. Lie exposed, truth revealed according to the Word of God. Then lastly tonight, let me give this, and I'll take my seat. The third lie that's being told to our families, our children, and our churches is that there is no hope. I said that there is no hope. It's a lie that's being peddled day in and day out. That there is no hope. America's lost. The republic is fractured and it's never going to recover. Churches are dying slowly. That there's no hope. And, and yes, the world is dark. And the world is mean. And the world isn't fair. It's full of violence. It's full of wickedness. And some days it is absent of any beauty. The world's broken. But you know what? I, I feel so much more confident when I go to the Word of God and I see that clearly thousands of years ago, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God told us, God told us that these times would come. God secured for us in our hearts. He said peerless times would come. And that when all these things begin to happen, that the church should start living with excitement in their heart. We've lost the idea of the Lord's return being imminent. It was preached here just a few nights ago that we should be living with great expectant hearts that at any moment our Lord and our Savior could come for His church. That's the hope for the church. For 11 years before I surrendered to ministry, God had to really break my heart and in, in ways that I'll just describe like this. He beat me over the head with a two-by-four for 11 years. Hard-headed black sheep of the family, if you will. I had no excuse but to love God and believe God for big things in my own life. I knew at 16 years old that God wanted me to preach, and I did my dead-level best, my dead-level best to go as hard in the other direction as I possibly could. I made a deal with God in the back room of my own mind and my own conscience. I said, Lord, I'll be a paramedic in Buncombe County. I'll be a firefighter in Buncombe County. I'll work in whatever capacity that I can help people. I, I love emergency medicine. I love being in the back of an ambulance. I love cardiology. And, and Lord, I'll take what I like to do, and I'll somehow box that in to you being pleased with my life. And I'm not going to preach. You got Ralph Sexton Jr. to do that. And I'm not going to preach. You got Ralph Sexton Sr. to do that. And I'm not going to preach or teach the Word of God. You've got Dwight Parrish and other great missionaries to do that. You don't need me, God. Just let me do what I want to do the way that I want to do it. I'll be a good church member. I'll tithe real big. Lord, give me some money. I'll tithe real big to your house. Started making a deal with God. But I, here's what I know about God. He's gracious and He is merciful. And He uses our stupidity and our mistakes... And he uses it for his glory in spite of our own minds and our own selves. 
And right towards the end, I knew that it was close. I knew I couldn't run much longer and much further. I'd just been married for a few months. And God began to break my heart for Buncombe County like he never has before. I responded in just 72 hours. Some of you that are in the EMS and the fire world, you know that you can swap around and you can work three days straight if you need to. Take some vacation here, work an extra 24 there. If you want to make some overtime, you can do that. And so I decided it was a good idea on one of the busiest ambulances in Buncombe County to work three days straight. And for 72 hours, call after call for overdose. It was a bad batch of heroin that had been sold in South Buncombe County. A gentleman from Mexico had a, a large container of heroin that had been cut with carfentanil, an elephant tranquilizer. They didn't understand the potency. They didn't know what they were doing. They were selling it as fast as they could and as fast as they could sell it and as fast as the people could shoot it up. People were dying before they could get the needle out of their arm and the tourniquet off the muscle. And over 72 hours, I responded to nine of those calls. Some horrible things you can't unsee. Some terrible things that humanity does even to its own self. But I'll never forget one call that I responded to, one of the last ones I ever went to, was pulling into a mobile home park in South Asheville. The call was for a 29-year-old female for an overdose. We opened the door. The neighbor was standing there. She had heard the babies inside crying. And this lady was on the floor in her home. And her two-year-old son was playing around the lifeless corpse of his mother, her vomit still on the floor. And her 10-year-old daughter was trying to pick up the son and get her mama to wake up. And it was a horrible situation, a terrible, terrible situation. I looked into the eyes of that 10-year-old girl as we began to treat her mother and thank God the mother lived. But as I looked into the eyes of that 10-year-old little girl who knew that her mama had a problem and who knew that this was not how life is supposed to be, for the first time I saw in the life and in the eyes of a child complete, total hopelessness. There was no Santa Claus present that could fix that little girl's problem. It didn't matter how big the house was that could fix that little girl's problem. It didn't matter how much money her mama had in her bank account that could fix that little girl's problem. The only thing that could fix that little girl's problem is the hope and the grace and the mercy that the Lord Jesus Christ offers freely to any man and to any woman who will call upon His name. God began to break my heart call after call, terrible incident after terrible incident. And what should have been my ninth body... My ninth body in a body bag, under the age of 35. I can't fix it. I can't get them back. They're gone. And what should have been the ninth person, a 23-year-old boy in another set of apartments in South Buncombe County, I watched his lifeless body cease to death from a heroin overdose. And I said, Lord, I'm tired of this. Lord, I can't do this anymore. Lord, I know it's been a long time since I prayed and I asked you for help, but Lord, would you help me right now in this moment? I don't want this young man to die. It was like the Holy Ghost of God stood in the back of that ambulance with me and he said, Winston, this will be the last time that I deal with your heart. I've been on you since you were 16 to surrender. And I said, God, I'll surrender, but please save this young man's life.
I've given him all the medicine I know. I, I, I've given him everything I can possibly give him. I've gone even above and beyond the protocol. God, there's nothing else I can do in my own capacity. That's exactly where God wants us to be, where we realize there's nothing within ourselves that we can do for our community or our families or our churches. And thank God, in, in grace and in mercy, he allowed me to surrender my life. God started opening doors and closing doors, and here we are just a few years later, and God's faithful, He's true. And here's the good news. The same God that my great-granddaddy preached. The same hope that my great-granddaddy preached. The same Bible and the same truth that my grandfather preached and my daddy preached to all those folks in Central America is the same hope and the same truth and the same Jesus that you need tonight. My question for you is this. Who's lying to you? And what lie are you believing? Who's lying to you? Do you have an account on your phone, on social media that you follow on the regular, and you know the junk that's being shared on that account is nothing but lie? Christian, we have no business there. Christian, we have no business ingesting that. Young person, do you have a friend that you know you need to stop hanging out with, listening to? That, that they're leading you to a path of destruction? It's an opportunity for us to take self-inventory and say, Lord, put your finger on the lies that I'm being told and help me to recover from the damage it's doing in my life. Only God can do that in your heart tonight. Right. Only God can do that. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You see, God owns the trademark. He owns the patent on hope. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. But how? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's what I know. No doubt in a crowd this side, hundreds of people here on a Friday night. There's somebody in here. One of my friends in this room right now, you're being lied to. And the sad truth is you believe it. You're making decisions off of bad information. And tonight, if you would allow God to do what He needs to do in your life and your heart, if you'll ask Him, He'll show you. And I, here, let me make this clear. I'm not preaching to the person beside you, behind you, or in front of you. It's me and you and God right now in this moment. Husbands, the leadership of our home depends on us living in the truth, believing the truth, and teaching the truth for our wives, our children, and our homes. Moms, your babies, they need you to know what the truth is so that you can cultivate a culture of truth in your home. Pastors, preachers, missionaries, evangelists. Guys, if we give up the rights to the truth of God's Word, and we try to tell God that we know better and we can do better without His Word, without His blessing, without being filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm afraid we're in for some hard days. But if we'll just be honest and beg God for the truth, begging for the wisdom the discernment. And if we'll stick to the truth, God will be faithful to us.